Well, uh, good morning, everyone. And uh, a very warm welcome to you all here in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, a special welcome to those who may be new among us. You're especially welcome. It's great to have you here with us. Um, also, uh, welcome to those who are joining us online. Um, and again, if you're joining us online for the first time, welcome to you for the first time. Today we're uh, welcoming into membership Anne Muggeridge. Uh, it's great to have Anne with us today. She was unable to be with us on the occasion when we welcomed others into membership. So we're really pleased to be able to do that today. And we're gathering around uh, the Lord's table as well in communion. Um, just a couple of notices. Keith's got a notice if I uh, ask Keith to start coming forwards. And uh, just also to say, please sign up for breakfast for next Sunday, beginning of Advent, next Sunday you need to sign up for breakfast um, if you want breakfast, so please do. Uh, Carol, you asked me to give that notice, where is the, how do people sign up? There's a sheet at reception, so if you fancy a lovely breakfast next week, the sheet's at reception. A little while ago I appealed on behalf of the Christmas child shoe boxes and I just want to say a personal thank you on behalf of all the children who will be receiving them. You've been as generous as usual, or even more so this year, just to let you know that we've had over 95 boxes donated from Brighton Road and you can imagine the joy in the children that will be receiving those, particularly for those distressed out in Ukraine or in the nearby countries as refugees. So thank you so much, one and all, for your generosity this year. Thank you. And thank you, Keith, for organising it and uh, en enabling it to happen. As our call to worship, some words from Psalm 91. They'll appear on our screen. And uh, if we're able to say these words together. Whoever, uh, sorry, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Father, we want to uh, glorify you and lift you up. Jesus, we love you and thank you for being our Saviour. Spirit, move among us, we pray, as we lift up our voices in worship and in praise to, to our God. Uh, we give you glory and give you praise. So come, move among us, touch and transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to begin with our Father everlasting. Uh, if you're able to, please stand.
please take a moment to sit down and we're going to read together again some words from Psalm 91. And uh, read these words and take them in, believe them and receive them. So let's read these words together. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Later on in our service, we're going to be uh, considering the crucifixion and those who witnessed it for themselves. Of course, the death of Jesus upon the cross is God's demonstration, ultimately, of his love for each one of us. So let's sing together, my Lord, what love is this?
God, as we stand before you, we acknowledge our great need of you. We thank you for your sending of your Son to be our Saviour and Lord. Thank you that through his death upon the cross, that we can receive forgiveness for all our wrong, all our sin. And so we come humbly before you, acknowledge our great need of forgiveness, of reconciliation with you. Lord, those that have had a bath need only have their feet washed. So Lord, we thank you for the work that you have done in many hearts here. And yet, Lord, we lift up our lives to you and we acknowledge that we have great need of a saviour day by day to lead us through, to lead us onwards, to lead us upwards. And so we give ourselves afresh to you and proclaim your goodness and your greatness in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. We also want to give you thanks for the way in which you give to us so many good gifts. And thank you for the, the giving of um, our finances, our possessions, our homes, the clothes, the food that we have. Lord, as we uh, give to you, as we give towards your work, Lord, we pray for your blessing to be upon that which we offer. We pray for the, the use of offerings given week by week, month by month. And ask, Lord, that you would take and use those blessings uh, that we have received for the blessing of others. And we also thank you, Lord, for the gift of children and young people. Lord, we pray for your blessing to be upon them, upon their families. And Lord, as they go from us in, in a moment uh, to their uh, time together in creche or in BRBK, uh, we pray for your hand to be upon them, their leaders, their helpers, and ask that you would lead each one of them closer and nearer to you and your great love for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to sing another song, and uh, how deep the Father's love for us, and during the singing of this song, uh, those uh, children and young people are going to go from us.
take your seats. Now, you may not know, but today um, is Safeguarding Sunday. Um, it is um, a, an important but strange concept in that it's good to have uh, our attention drawn on a specific day to the need for safeguarding amongst uh, children, amongst those who are vulnerable, those who are in need. However, it is not to be confined to only one Sunday. So, of course, our understanding, our awareness of safeguarding and the need for safeguarding um, as we gather together as church in this space or in other times uh, during the week, uh, that need remains. And uh, so I encourage us to be acquainted and get acquainted with, um, and you may love to do this anyway, so I may not be encouraging you uh, to do this, but I, I do encourage those who have not yet done so uh, to get acquainted with our safeguarding policy. They can be found on our website. If you're unsure how to uh, go to our website, then Google Brighton Road Baptist Church um, Horsham. If you just Google Brighton Road Baptist Church, you may come along with you may come up with a different Baptist church in on a Brighton Road. Um, yes, in Croydon, perhaps. Um, but we have safeguarding policies. It's important uh, that we all make ourselves aware of those. This is something we remind ourselves of as a, a regular feature of um, church meetings. Um, yearly, we, uh, we remind ourselves of this, but it should be more often. And uh, so I would encourage you to do that, to have a look at um, what safeguarding means for us as a fellowship and uh, the ways in which we can provide that safe space uh, for all. I'd like to lead us in a prayer uh, which is, uh, um, is found in material uh, from Safeguarding Sunday. And again, if you want to look up Safeguarding Sunday, you can Google that as well. And uh, there, there is various material on that. Let's pray. Loving God, we pray that this church, this fellowship at Brighton Road, may be a place of welcome security and compassion. Keep us watchful yet caring, trusting yet ready to question, that all who worship here may do so in safety and in the knowledge of your love through Jesus Christ our Lord. May the doors of this fellowship be wide enough to receive all who come seeking God and fellowship. May the doors of this church be narrow enough to shut out pettiness and pride, envy and enmity. May the threshold of this church be no stumbling block to young or frail feet. May the threshold of this church be too high to admit complacency and self-seeking. May this church be, for all who enter, a safe place and the doorway to a richer life in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. And we continue in prayer. Father, we do 
thank you for this precious gift of prayer. Thank you for our ability to come before you freely and openly as we are. Lord, we ourselves have need and we know that there are others and we know others who have need. Lord, we want to bring them before you right now. Father, in our hearts, we lift before you those who have need of your ministering grace because of illness, frailty, grief, difficulty, debt, abuse. We pray have mercy to bring deliverance and provision, sustain and strengthen, bring your compassion and your power. And Father, in our world, we lift up its great needs before you. We pray for our world in its entirety and ask that we, as well as on this earth, may be wise in the use of our resources and our time, that others may not suffer injustice. Father, we pray for those war-torn lands, those that are in the spotlight, in our UK coverage, in our media, those that are overlooked or forgotten, yet wars that still rage and lives and communities still destroyed. Have mercy, we pray. Bring peace, bring peacemakers. May we play our part in bringing peace in our own lives, where there may be animosity, difficulty and bitterness, estrangement in our communities Lord where we have a part to play in being peacemakers with our neighbours Father in our wider world as we have occasion to pray as we watch or read the news where we have occasion to act to intervene Help us, we pray. And for those parts of our world, and those parts of our local community where there is need because of hunger, deprivation, where the cost of living is proving troublesome increasingly, we pray for ourselves in this ask that you would provide ways for us to place our full trust in you and to come alongside one another and minister your grace and your provision as others have need around us and as we have opportunity to give, help us. And Father, as we come to your word, we thank you for the scriptures we ask that we might be a people who turn to your scriptures regularly, daily. We ask that we may 
hear what you have to say in our day. And we ask, Lord, that you may speak to us today. Open our ears and our eyes that we may hear and see you. So speak, Lord, for we're listening. Help us to act upon what we hear and therefore be like the wise person who built their house upon the rock. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to have our scripture reading uh, today from Luke chapter 22. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, that is Jesus, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the King of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. In our scripture reading today, we see five responses to Jesus crucified. Firstly, we see the people. The people stood watching. The people of Jesus' day had treated to a ringside seat of his humiliation and execution. Crucifixion, of course, captured the public gaze, a gruesome deterrence, a sorrowful spectacle. We proclaim Jesus and him crucified. And many people still stand and watch. They watch, they observe, they spectate from the sidelines, from the path, and some go on their way. Perhaps they are moved in their hearts, grieved over such a waste of life. Perhaps they shake their heads in disbelief or dismay. Perhaps they dismiss as an irrelevance the man upon the cross so long ago. 
that we present Jesus crucified. This is what we, as church, have to offer to a needy world. Our greatest message. You see, Jesus offers himself to all sinners. This is our inclusive message. And Christ's cross cries out for attention. People stand and watch. Pause. Take time to be still before this man, this innocent man, suffering, dying. Make up your mind as to whether this condemned man is worth following. For he occupies a place called the skull, a place of death, of destruction. And he's crucified alongside, along with criminals, crucified as a convicted criminal. He is set in the middle of criminality. A criminal on the right and a criminal on the left. He identifies with sinners to the very end. He was baptised as a sinner would be. He was eating and drinking with sinners, those of ill repute, those cast out of society and gaining the same reputation, tarred with the same brush as them, and the, the mud sticking to him, yet calling them to a better way, to sin no more. And now laying down his life for the lost, the rejected, the neglected, the shunned. Scolded. As Isaiah prophesied, he was numbered with the transgressors. See, there they are, upon their crosses, criminals, one, two, three. And he is punished, he is condemned, yet he is also the one who intercedes for the people. Father, Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. See, the people stood watching, seeing for themselves an atoning death, their means for forgiveness through sacrifice, the God-man dying, even for those who did not know what they were doing to him. Reminds me of the day when Samson gave his life in the Old Testament for the deliverance of his people. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Jesus crucified was the 
performance of a lifetime. Don't get me wrong, not entertainment. But he is the great high priest performing his duty of atonement through his own sacrificial death. He was born to die. Secondly, we see the response of the rulers. When the rulers even sneered at them, they said, He saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Rulers who should know better, sneering about the salvation that Jesus was lovingly bringing and freely offering. Rulers today sneer at Jesus crucified. The apparent weakness and defeat, vulnerability, humiliation. What kind of king is this? What kind of God is this? Does not a king have power and honour, prestige, finery? Yet here is one who is weak and despised. Even his clothing is being gambled over. Is not God almighty? Yet here is one who is stripped, scourged, struck down. This Jesus, this Christ upon the cross, does not fit with the ruler's kingly, uh, ruler's notion of a kingly, powerful, deliverer, Messiah. The one chosen and honoured by God. Instead, here is one who is cursed and humbled. See, rulers see meekness as a weakness. And they scoff at, they sneer at, they stumble over such a man. You see, Jesus is offering for those who rule in this world a challenge from his cross. This is the way to rule. Through service, through sacrifice, through humility, through love. To those who would love to rule over others, to those who would look down on others, to those who want to remain king over their own lives, we are offered kingship through the cross. Jesus said, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And Jesus carries his own cross. The Apostle John wrote, carrying his own cross, he, that is Jesus, went out to the place of the skull. 
the rulers sneer, they scoff at the saviour, at the skull. But death looms large for the self-centred ruler, for it means the loss of everything they pursue. Thirdly, we have the response of the soldiers. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. The soldiers, they're just doing their job and doing it well. And they deliberately come up to him, mocking him, mocking this man who would be king. And they're serving their king with wine. Of course, the cheapest sort. And we see one of these occasions mixed with myrrh or gall. You see, wine would be offered to the condemned man, the dead man walking. Myrrh or gall, a, a narcotic to dull the senses to make death more bearable, the pain more sufferable. Yet it was this drugged cup that Jesus refuses. He is dying with his eyes open, his senses alert, every fibre of his being awake and responsive to the pain. And the soldiers issue their challenge, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And of course that written notice says it all, for all to see, the king of the Jews. The accusation was made and the verdict has been given. He is the king of the Jews. Pilate had written what he had written. Some would see it as a mocking joke, others a prophetic declaration. But the Roman soldiers, well, they have only one king, Caesar. You see, there were still those who were going about their ordinary lives, going about their jobs, yet they participate in the world system of cruelty, of injustice, Refusing Jesus as king, they themselves don't make a difference. They already have a king. And now we come to the final two responses. The two criminals crucified alongside Jesus. So criminal one. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. He hurled insults. The actual word used here, the Greek word, is one word. E blasphemi. From blasphemio. It's a compound word from blacks meaning sluggish or slow and feme meaning reputation or fame. In other words, this criminal was slow or even neglectful to acknowledge who Jesus really was, not showing him the respect and the veneration that he warranted 
In effect, he was blaspheming God as God hangs on the cross. And his blaspheming comes in the form of a a question or a, a taunt along with a related command. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The, the criminal refused to acknowledge that Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one of God. In doing so, he is refusing to acknowledge him as his Messiah. He is rejecting the only means by which he can be spiritually and eternally saved. His logic goes this way. If Jesus cannot save himself from the cross, then he cannot save me. But he is not realising or accepting that the means by which he can be saved was by Jesus remaining on the cross. It would be through the cross, through being crucified, that Jesus was being or becoming the effective saviour. If he had indeed come down from the cross, then we would have lost our effective saviour and lost all possibility of salvation. Because this was the way. But in not saving himself, he was saving us. He could not save himself and us. This was the stark choice that Jesus had before him. This was the cup that he willingly drank. This was the outworking of the master plan, the divine plan from the very beginning. He had committed himself to the cross well beforehand. As John the Baptist testified, when he saw Jesus coming towards him, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this Jesus, this sacrificed Lamb, the Apostle John writes, is the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. This was the foundation plan. This was the blueprint laid out, put into effect even before the world is created. And this first criminal rejects God's plan. I plead with all those listening. Do not be like him. Do not die in your sin. If you reject the means by which you can be saved through Jesus Christ crucified, there is no other way. You are not and you will never be good enough to get into heaven. And you can't pay or bribe your way into heaven. We come to the other criminal who realises this, criminal two. 
He knew without Jesus he had no hope. He knew who he was hanging beside. And his capital sentence was, as it was being exacted, he rebuked the first criminal with his insults, his blasphemies. And what is more, this second criminal he witnesses to, he proclaims, he acknowledges, he receives this Jesus as the one who is fulfilling God's plans and purposes, who is his own means of salvation. What did that second criminal have to offer Jesus, have to offer God in way of religious works? Nothing. His life was ebbing away. He was of no use to anybody. He was never going to make it to the temple or to the synagogue. He was not going to, from this point on, be reading his scriptures daily. He was filthy, bloody, wrapped with pain, guilty. And it's his turn to now ask a question. But he asks it of his fellow guilty one. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, what a question. We are each, every person on this planet, comes under the sentence of death. For some of us, death will come sooner, for others later. Therefore, do we not fear God? Do we live our lives in the full knowledge and acceptance that we are in God's hands? He decides. And this contrite criminal confessed from the cross. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. Our deeds, our wrong deeds, and we've all done wrong deeds, deserve punishment. The Bible's clear on this. The wrong deeds, their sin, deserves nothing less than death. The worker deserves their wages. The Apostle Paul writes, for the wages of sin is death. But this criminal sees in Christ Jesus, the Son of God, the innocent one who takes his place. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he places his trust in Christ with this simple prayer. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He acknowledges Jesus as the king, as his king. He has nothing to offer this king except himself. His love, his faith, his hope. And Jesus replies, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. You see, as Paul continues that quote, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life is not earned, it is not deserved, it is freely given to be received. Which of the responses 
to the crucified Christ will we offer? I urge us to choose to receive life, to receive Christ crucified as your King. For this Christ who died did not stay dead and he demonstrates that those who are in him may also experience life in all its fullness. Amen. And we sing together a song about the cross. The price is paid.
friends, take your, take your seats. So as we gather as church today, we are going to welcome into church membership Anne Muggeridge, and recently applied and was accepted for church membership at the church members meeting. We shall be entering into a covenant with her to share with each other in committing ourselves to serve Christ within the church and beyond, working alongside one another in his service in the world, sharing the good news about Jesus, making disciples to the glory of God and encouraging one another in the love of God. As I said before, it's a privilege to be a member of the church and um, again, if you've read the church's governing document, it reminds us of how membership also carries responsibilities and as it says, which normally include attending worship and participating in church activities, personal prayer and Bible study, participation at the communion of the Lord's Supper, considering it a privilege and a priority, helping the church wherever, whenever possible by using gifts and abilities to advance the purpose of the church through its activities, attending and participating in church members' meetings, giving regular financial support to the church in proportion to personal resources and circumstances, and upholding Christian values. So I'm going to invite Anne to come forward. Thank you, Anne. Uh, Anne's going to share uh, something of uh, her testimony of uh, how she uh, it knows the Lord and um, of the impact that that has upon her life. Um, grew up in a family that uh, uh, my mum sent me to Sunday school and uh, I went to Girls Brigade um, and also the church youth group. I became a Christian when I was 13 and was baptised a few months later and have spent my, have always been involved and been a part of a church um, from that moment on. And I was thinking this morning about seasons, about natural seasons and uh, we have, you know, um, autumn naturally follows summer, winter follows autumn. And we have seasons in our life, and I can be really grateful that I can look back, and God has taken me through a number of different seasons in my life, um, different churches, different circumstances, um, as a, a young single adult, um, later when I was married and uh, with my young family. And I can be grateful that God has always been there. And God has always taken me through to through that season of my life at that time, but also into the next season of my life. And I'm, I just want to give my thanks to God for being there for that, for being there through those seasons, and also for being there through this season, this new season of my life now. And uh, I know He will um, take me through um, whatever it is that this new season will have for me. And stay up here with me in a sec. And that may be a, a word that you've needed to receive for yourself, that currently you're in a season, perhaps, that you'd prefer not to be in. And yet, it may be that God is bringing you through that season 
into the next. And I'm, I'm going to now ask you to publicly uh, declare your faith in God and commit yourself to serve Christ as part of this local Baptist church. Uh, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, promising to seek to fulfill your ministry in the body of Christ. So, Anne, do you declare your faith in the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, having found new life in him? And do you believe God has called you to serve Christ as part of this local Baptist church? And do you commit yourself to love and serve the Lord within this church community and in the world, and being filled with the Holy Spirit to fulfil your ministry in the body of Christ. That's good. I'm going to invite those who are members of the church, for those who are members, to stand at this time. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions to which I'd love you to be able to answer. We do. Do you, members of Brighton Road Baptist Church, welcome Anne into the family of God in this local expression of church? We do. And do you promise to love, encourage, strengthen, guide, pray for, help to disciple and care for her as equal partners in the body of Christ? I'm going to ask the whole congregation, if you're able to, to stand. So, offering the right hand of fellowship. I don't want to take your clutch away there. but uh, um, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and uh, we, we welcome you. And uh, may God's face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift up the light of his countenance upon you. May he give you his peace day by day. And we continue in prayer. Lord God, we praise you for the ways that you guide our lives. We thank you that with you there is purpose and freedom. Thank you for the way that you are working in Anne and for the way in which you have spoken to her by your spirit and drawn her here to be with us. We thank you for her family, for friends. We ask for your blessing to be upon them also. We ask that you will enable Anne in her active membership of your church to continue to grow and mature and be an effective disciple of our Lord Jesus, causing her to be fruitful in service. Help us as a fellowship as we seek to love and care and nurture her. May you guide us forward together as your body, as we listen to your voice and seek to grow. And may your blessing be upon us and through us. We ask all these things in the name of our Saviour, the head of your church, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Bless you. Thank you. Bless your family. As we gather around the Lord's table together, we acknowledge God's great love for us, demonstrated through, uh, ultimately through the Lord Jesus and his dying for us on the cross, knowing that special mess before him, each one of us, is special because God loves us. So we're going to sing together, I'm special as we gather together.
take your seats. The table of the Lord is spread. It is for those who will come and see in broken bread and poured out wine symbols of his life shed for us on the cross and raised again on the third day. The risen Christ is present among his people and it is here that we meet with him. This meal is for those who know him a little and long to know him more. He invites all those who are seeking him, all those who are weary of their sin and doubt, to come and share in this feast. The scriptures say we have all strayed like sheep. Each of us has gone our own way, but the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. He was pierced for our transgressions, tortured for our iniquities. The chastisement he bore is health for us, and by his scourging we are healed. The Apostle Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, until he comes. Let us pray and give thanks. So we want to thank you again for the means by which we may be saved, for your atoning death upon the cross, atoning at one meant, making us at one with you, forgiving us, removing from us all that gets in the way of that right relationship with the Father. So as we gather together, we thank you for these symbols of bread and drink that speak to us of the death of Christ and his life in us. And indeed, Lord, as we gather, we come honestly and openly before you, acknowledging our need of you, at this point, we also forgive others as we have been forgiven. We let them go. We pray remove from our hearts any bitterness. We are sorry that we harbour such thoughts. Cleanse and purify us, we pray that we may be one with one another, one with others, one with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus, after he'd given thanks, took the bread and he broke it. This is my body, which is broken 
for you. As you receive the bread, keep take a piece, but keep hold of it. And we will eat that bread together, symbolizing our unity as the one loaf is given. Christ's body hung upon the cross. He died that we might be forgiven. Hallelujah. The psalmist says, How shall I repay the Lord for all of his benefits to me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. As you receive a glass, keep hold of it, and we will drink together, all at the same time, again, symbolizing our oneness in Christ.
God so, so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall receive everlasting life. Hallelujah. Before we sing our closing hymn, just to say uh, that if there are any who would like prayer after the service, then there's opportunity to come over to the side there and uh, be prayed with or prayed for. So please do take that opportunity. And if there are any who want to know what it means to follow Jesus, uh, who to give your life uh, to Jesus for the first time, then I or one of the leaders of the church, one of the deacons are more than willing uh, to be able to kind of meet with you and just chat about that. So uh, please take the opportunity to do that as well, either following the service or in, in the days to come. So we sing together, Christ Triumphant.
we're going to say the, gra- the words of the grace to one another. If uh, you're not familiar with these, they'll be on the screen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.